Welcome to the Eye on Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. We're up here on the second floor of 1997 Annapolis Exchange Parkway, and I think this is the second time I've been in this building in my life. We are with Margot Cook, who is with One North Wealth Services. How are you? I'm great. How are you, John? Awesome. The last time I was here was with Evergreen, and I don't remember the full name of it, but Chris McCleary's company oh, after he left USI and, and started another one. And it was a, uh, uh, I don't know if it was an investment company or whatnot, but I was up here one time and that's about it. This is a uh, somewhat of a building that I, it's hard to forget because it's so big, but it's right across from the Annapolis Mall, just the other side of, between like Jennifer Square and the hospital. Yes. And the hospital owns it actually. Oh, do they? Yeah, the hospital owns this building. And up on the upper floors, they have marketing and finance and some communications folks. I don't think I knew that. Yep, yeah. I, I knew they owned the property behind it because the hospital does or has done in the past their denims and diamonds in the big old tent back there. Yeah, actually, the history of this building is pretty fabulous because this whole land was bought with a charitable bargain sale. Uh -huh. And then they did a land lease for the person who originally bought the building. And then the building became the hospital's property. So it was a really wonderful investment by Chip Dorden, actually, the previous wow. CEO. Yeah, way back when. We got way off topic here, but we are talking with Margot Cook from One Northwell Services, and you guys are in the most basic sense are a financial planning firm located here in Annapolis, and we wanted to get to know a little bit about you. I mean, you said that you've grown up with Chip Dorden, so I'm Presuming that you're local and you've been around for a while and you're not some transplant from like Las Vegas. That's correct. <laughs> Although I did go away for a little while down to Miami for college and a little bit after, but I grew up in the Annapolis, Edgewater, Arnold area. So. Okay, cool. How, how did you get into financial planning? I mean, what personally to me, that seems like the most boring thing in the world, but I know it really is not. Oh my gosh. But. First of all, I can't believe I'm saying this and people probably will be surprised, but I think it's so exciting. It's like the best problem solving job ever. People come in and they say, I want to do this thing, right? And I want to get there. And then we help them plan to get there. Well, you know, it's, it's you get somebody that has the passion for it. And, and what, uh, that's not surprising that you say that. I mean, I, it's not surprising that I would say it sounds boring to me. Right. Just, we've, we've got our own different, you know, different op opinions of everything else like that. But it's uh, and that's what you want whenever you work with you know anybody. It doesn't matter whether it's the the guy putting the slurpees out at Seven Eleven or the hot yep. dog. I mean, he wants to be in it. Here's your hot dog. Do you want mustard on it? You know, whatever it is, or how to get to your dream, as you mentioned there. Yeah, and you know, to answer your question, I. I actually studied marketing and finance in college, but when I graduated, the first job I got was as a fundraiser at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami. And I was terrified because I thought asking people for money just sounds horrible, but it was really fun. And so as I continued in the nonprofit career, I started to specialize in what's called planned giving, which is where you work with the financial advisor and the attorney to put together some sort of plan for giving now or later. And I met some really great financial planners. And that's when I finally decided to go back to the original plan for myself, which was to become a financial planner. And I wanted to be in this fee-only space, which is where we are at One North. Wow. Well, financial planning in 
general is fairly new, isn't it? I mean, my, my parents, I don't remember. Uh, and maybe it's because we didn't have gazillions of dollars, but it's, uh, you know, I, I just don't remember that. I mean, if, you know, you had a banker that maybe told right. you what to do, or, you know, maybe, maybe there was a stock broker. Right. For investments. But it's changed. It has changed. So, you know, we do both investments and financial planning. But one of the biggest changes that I've seen is that I think in the past with our parents and grandparents, there was a higher prevalence of the traditional pension. So now companies aren't really offering I'm not, I'm not familiar anymore. with that term. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to find a job now that offers a pension, you know, the federal government and the local government. But other than that, you know, it's pretty hard to find one. So we have to save for our own retirements. You know, we aren't having any company who later after we retire is paying us some calculation of our salary. Oh, okay, right, right. Okay, well, that makes that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, we've certainly got 401ks, but uh, that may may or may not be, depending on how you're able to contribute. Um, and, you know, if, if the A, if the company has one, B, if they contribute to it, at what level they contribute to it. And if we're, you know, diligent enough to contribute as much as we need to, you know, as we get raises, we tend to spend more. Right. That's human nature. So unless you're really purposefully saying if as I make more money, I'm going to put more money away for myself, you just start to get more expensive over your lifetime. And sometimes you aren't saving enough. I guess who needs a financial planner is where I'm I, I'm getting. I mean, is that something that everybody I mean, and, and OK, you are one. So you're going to say, yes, everybody needs one. But I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, is that something that somebody with minimal assets should discuss versus somebody that's, you know, just going to divorce Bill Gates and get $400 billion. Right. I would say everyone should talk to one to a varying degree. So there are some people that come in and I can solve a problem for them in one meeting. You know, they can say, oh, I really just want to understand if I have enough for retirement at some point when that might be. And we do like a cash flow planning session, right? One session. That's all they need. There are some people who need a full comprehensive financial plan. And then there's some people that just need investment management. So almost everybody needs an engagement with a financial advisor to some degree. But understanding what you actually need and having someone not oversell you is the important thing. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, some people hold themselves out as financial advisors, but they're really selling something, right? So maybe they're selling insurance. So if you go to them, they're going to say, oh, the solution to your problem is this insurance policy, right? right? So keeping your eye out for how an advisor is compensated before you meet with them is really important. I know that financial advisors can be compensated on commission or fees. Yep. And the most basic sense is that somebody else pays you or I pay you. Right. <laughs> and it's not too different from the travel industry I used to be in. And initially, we were always compensated by the supplier. And that was a pure commission. And then when commissions started to be cut and we couldn't make livings off of it, we turned around and we jumped into fees to supplement that. And it always presented a really tough thing. You know, who do I work for? Am I working for my travel client? Am I looking for the best deal there? Or am I looking for the best deal because I'm getting free tickets from the airline? Right. How does that work in the financial planning realm? So it's almost the same conundrum. There's basically three different kinds of advisors. There's fee only, which is what we are. There's um, commission only, which is the insurance salespeople. And then there's fee-based. Fee-based sounds like fee only, but it's very different. Fee-based is you're paid both by the client and you're able to sell things to the client and receive commissions. So um, it's very important, you know, and I know some fee-based advisors that are absolutely wonderful and very ethical and always do what's best for the client. But it's really important that as a consumer, we understand that because you might be sitting with someone and they're telling you, 
you know, you're paying me to give you advice and I think you should buy this thing, right? Right. But they, they obviously have, you know, some sort of other uh, reason possibly for offering this to you. So fee only is we are only paid by our clients. And that was the only model that I wanted to be in because I did not want people ever sitting with me wondering if I was making a recommendation for some self-interest. Right, so right, a kickback or, yeah, so, or something. You know, we, we get no commissions. You know, we custody our clients' assets when we invest them at Schwab, but we aren't owned by Schwab. We aren't paid by Schwab. That's just a partnership that we utilize because we like their services. Well, so what what happens to the commission? Does your client just earn theoretically more or just retain more of it or is it rebated back in? Is that So if we decide that a client needs insurance or some sort of other product, we help them shop it out to another advisor and that advisor receives the commission, but we are the independent party that's the fiduciary for the client to say, "Yes, you do need this policy. Here's what I would suggest, you know, here's how I would suggest you put it together." And then that other advisor receives the commission. And when you say that other advisor, is that somebody within One North Wealth or May it be totally you know, Billy separate. Bob's insurance and yeah. indemnity or totally separate. Whenever a client needs something like that, we give them a list of at least three advisors in the area that we know and, and like and respect. And then they interview them, decide which one they want. And then we work with that person. So as far as your role in this, I mean, you are guiding them, guiding your client in the decision of, hey, you know, an insurance product might make sense for you. Right. In your little world, in your little bubble that you work at, you're looking at investments. Yep. Uh, we need to buy Moderna. We need to, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, I don't know whether it gets that granular or it not. It does, yeah. Um, or whether it's just a larger thing. You know, here's what you need to do to pop up your 401k. Um, if you want to retire to this level and so on and so forth. So yep. that's where you, you're, you're like the money people. Absolutely. So we can tell people, this is how much you should save and wear for this period of time to get to your goals. We also can actually manage their investments for them. So we actively manage it. You know, they give us permission to trade in their account for a fee and we go in and, you know, we allocate it associated with their goals and their risk tolerance. And we argue about it on a weekly basis internally with our investment team. So all of a sudden you sniff out some new new company that your group of advisors, and I, I know that it's not just strictly the people that you listen to here at One North right. Wealth, but I mean, you've got Wall Street and, and, yeah. and everything else that's there, but somebody thinks this is like the, the next Apple or the next Berkshire Hathaway or something like that. You, depending on how your client has you set up, can turn around and say, hey, you know, we want to get in on this, this IP, IPO and see where this goes. Yes. Um, so for those sorts of situations where something's more speculative in nature, that would only be added to portfolios for whom clients have more of a growth uh, and, and risk tolerance associated with that. But yeah, we don't even actually call the client ahead of making the trade. We do all the trades at our own discretion. So we see an opportunity, we move a client in or out, okay. depending on what we're looking and at. And they see it on their monthly, quarterly statement, yep, whatever it we, may be. We meet with them and talk to them about it as often as they want, but at least quarterly to make sure that we're still you know, moving forward in the right direction. How do you spot a good financial planner? Oh, goodness. That's a great question. I think my personal opinion is... You guys want to get like tattoos or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like ratings. Yeah, my personal opinion is I think that you can tell if someone is genuinely interested in the work that they're doing and genuinely interested in doing what's best for their client after like a five minute conversation. So when you're well, so asking, that's the, whole gut, that's the whole gut feeling. I mean, yeah. I, I can sit down with you over a cup of coffee and know with it. I mean, they say that in, in the dating world too. I mean, you yeah. know, <laughs> 
You know, and, and we have a bunch of other advisors actually um, in our area that we think are great too. And so if we have somebody coming to talk to us, to interview us as their potential advisor, we'll say, if you're interviewing advisors, we suggest you talk to these people because they're great. Right. So if at least if you're not going to be with us, be with somebody else that is that we great. respect this respect exactly. in the industry. Sure, that makes makes all the sense in the world there. When do you start planning? For, for retirement. And, and again, is retirement always the end game with you? No, actually, we call it work optional. Okay. So um, the plan centers around when do you no longer have to work? When can you just decide every day when you get up, whatever it is you're going to do, you're doing because you choose to do so. Because almost none of our clients just stop working and do nothing. Mm-hmm. That basically never happens. But sometimes people have other goals. You know, sometimes people come to us and say, I really want to buy this property. What do I need to do to have enough money to do that? Or saving for college for their kids. You know, that's a big one too. So any financial goal, you know, we can help somebody plan for. And there's always a solution. You know, there's always an answer. That's that's sort of the fun part. Well, how much do you have to have to start? I mean, to work with somebody like you. I mean, and, and I understand that I know different, you know, private banks and stuff like that have different minimums. Okay, you know, you've got to, you know, invest $2 million minimum with us or something like that. I mean, that right. is, and, and I know different financial planners, I'm assuming, also have minimums. I mean, I would, yep. I would think that a commission-based planner would probably have a, a lower threshold than sure. a fee-based because, I mean, you're whatever the fee is, you're turning around saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm working for this and it doesn't make sense to, you know. Well, that's why we set it up as two different kinds of fees. So mm-hmm. we have one fee for active investment management, and then we have another fee for just strictly planning hours, and that's an hourly fee. Okay. So for the active investment management, it generally makes the most sense for people to do that with us once they have about $500,000 or more for us to invest for mm-hmm. them. But we also make investment recommendations on an hourly basis. So if somebody comes in and they don't have $500,000, they can come in as often as they want and pay for a session with us for us to make recommendations for their portfolio. We'll even sit with them and they log in and we show them how they trade it and all that stuff. Okay, so, so this is... Yeah, so there's options for everybody. And you know, we do a complimentary initial consult for everyone. So what generally happens is if I get like a really young person in here who just needs some general guidance, I can give them all that guidance in that first session and then they aren't paying me, you know, $400 for an hour of session, right? I tell them, when you hit these milestones, call me back. When you hit, when you get to a point where you're saving this amount, um, and you're at this point in your career, you know you're about to buy a house. Call me back. So you might you might see a fresh college graduate, yep, and say, hey, max out that four hundred one k as much as you can. You know, don't worry about your savings or whatever the advice may be. Yep. And when you have a life change, whether it be getting married, moving, job, whatever it is, let's reevaluate. So somebody, and so this is not a quarterly type of a thing. This you no. may see them for. Five years. It's totally up to our clients, you know, and we tell them we think you should do it this often, depending on their situation, but it's up to them. We don't have some, you know, yearly fee or quarterly fee that automatically gets billed. We aren't in the business of surprise bills. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we tell somebody ahead of time, we That's think we Comcast can help you. Business for. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> or, or surprise increase in right, 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 right. <laughs> Okay. One North Wealth. What what's in the name? What is one and and the website is one the number. Yep. N 
wealth. So as one, the letter N, wealth.com. What is in the name? Where does that come from? So that name predates my joining the firm, but I'll tell you what the history is. So have you ever heard of True North? Mm-hmm. When you have purpose, you're, you know, you're true north, right? Right. I mean, it's, so, it's a compass and... Right. Uh, exactly. Right. So that was sort of the basis of the start of getting to the One North name, because at really the core of our firm, our mission is to always do what's right for the client, regardless of whether it's right for us true or north. not. Okay. So um, that's where, where that came from. And then our current CEO and president, Jim Brennan, he loves to go biking. And so he saw this beautiful painting of a parent and a child biking on this long highway up the coast, and it had the number one next to it. Right. And so he thought to himself, this is us. We're like on the highway towards some goal where you're enjoying the view along the way. So our goal for our clients is that they find their true north, their one north, and we help them get there. I thought you were going to say it was, so it was first in the yellow pages. <laughs> that used to be the thing, right? You're supposed to pick A or one so that you popped up. Well, for- funny story about Zachary's Jewelers. I asked Steve Samaras, who owns Zachary's, where did Zachary's come from? He says, because I had a jerk of a marketing professor at University of Maryland who said, Whenever you go into business, you've got to make sure you name it A, something or other to get the, the front, because you'll, you'll never go anywhere. And then when we started to make some money, I said, well, how low can we go? So we called it Zachary's. So it was, so it was just sort of, a, sort of a virtual middle finger to well, this marketing professor that they didn't like. And he really showed him. Yeah, yeah I, I, ab- absolutely. But One North Wealth is the... I say the parent company, but the, the larger company, okay? And you are a partner here. Correct. And you've got specialties as well. I mean, you don't, I mean, nobody can be a jack of all trades. Of they course. Can, they can try to. So where where do you specialize? So there's a couple different areas in which I find I do a lot of work. One of them is, and this was a surprise for me, but um, divorce planning. So I work with a lot of divorce attorneys in the area when somebody's going through the divorce process and they need help on the financial side. Um, I'll work with them throughout the whole time. So first we start to figure out how much it costs to be them. Cause sometimes when you're, when you're leaving a partnership, you have no idea how much you're going to spend as a single person. So we go through some of that to help them understand how much they need, right? And how much they cost. And we also review the assets that they co-own and own to figure out, you know, obviously the attorney's the one working with them on how it's going to be split. But I help them decide what are the assets they want the most and how do they want to receive them, right? What works best for them and work with the attorney on that. Um, I do some expert witness work in the county, you know, if they need somebody to take the stand and say, this is what this asset is, you know, this is the difference between a lump sum payment and payments over time. And then I do some complimentary divorce planning work for folks going through uh, some domestic violence issues. So folks who, you know, sometimes um, financial abuse is a thing. So sometimes somebody going through a divorce, yeah, they, they haven't had control over the finances. They don't know the finances. Their spouse has used finances to control them. So working through all of that. It's funny. I was reading reading an article there's a website called medium which is yes. just sort of, I, yeah. I, I subscribe to it and it's one of the best subscriptions i have it's just a really wide range of things and i was reading an article about a seemingly young not from a wealthy family woman ended up marrying this high-priced ceo and uh or high value ceo and it was said it was amazing that you know the lawyers and it was not just a prenup. It was the prenup and it was the non-disclosures and non-disparaging oh, wow. agreements and everything else beyond and, and all of that. And then she said, as it, and ultimately they are divorced, but 
she was going through saying that just, you know, through the life you realize that, you know, just by marrying this person now, I've become a public figure just as that person is. And it's like, you've got wardrobe planners yep. that are saying, okay, you must always wear, you know, red or yellow because they're cheery colors. You can't have this. You can never mention another competitor's name. And even in conversations, you've got to hang, figure out who you hang. And the whole life was managed. Yes. And, you know, she was just going on and on about how um, just even security, it was, you know, not important enough to have secret service like, you know, Joe Biden or Michelle Obama or Melania Trump, but certainly um, not you know, just walking up Main Street in Annapolis at 2 a.m. after rolling out of Acme. Right, yeah. Uh, so it, it was very interesting. She said, you know, that they lost the identity, and, and I can totally see that, that coming out of that, it's like, okay, yeah, I know he's got a lot of money, but what is a lot of money? I mean, you hear this Bill Gates and Elon Musk, or not Elon Musk, but um, Bezos. Jeff yeah, Bezos got yes, divorced, you know, yes. it's with the, you know, the ungodly amounts of money. And the wonderful things that, you know, Mackenzie Bezos is doing with it is... Yes, and you know, I, I think it's just nice to have a team of advisors helping you make decisions it, at these big moments, right? Because, you know, my job is not to convince someone what they should or shouldn't have. My job is to give them all the information so that when it comes time for them to make decisions and negotiate, they know they had all that information. Like they, they aren't saying, no, I don't want my half of your pension if they don't know what it is, right? right. At least know what it is before you decide whether or not you want it. And then we don't do any uh, retirement planning during the divorce process. Once it's over, then we start to plan for that, you know, work optional lifestyle and, and start to handle the investment side of things. Okay. And we charge, you know, hourly for the divorce financial planning, but generally we end up being a lot less money than the attorney if they were to do the same work because we don't charge for our work behind the scenes. We just charge for our work with the client. Yeah, the so. attorneys, they make, they make all the money in these <laughs> divorces. That's well, and you know, actually they, for the most part, the attorneys I work with love when I come into the picture because, you know, oftentimes they don't want a bill for work that somebody else could do for their client. They don't mm -hmm. want to present that large bill and the client cringes. You know, if I can help the client with their long financial form instead, that helps them right. too. So it's really, it's become, like I said, an accidental specialty of mine. And it really stemmed from the fact that I think when my mother got divorced, when I was very young, she didn't know what she was doing on the financial side. And so she really waived her interest in a lot of things that she should have had. And now she would be a different place herself financially if she had done all those things on the front end. That was the the thing back then. And I think I, I'm trying to remember who it was, but it was the chairman of GE that... Um was she that ultimately got a got a famous divorce and his wife is pretty much the the social hostess of the household if you will yep uh, entertaining the the clients that would come in and, and everything else and she took him to uh you know took him to the as I say the cleaners but I mean yep. rightfully so but I mean you know, she said you know I haven't earned a salary in x number of years but this is what I brought to this table and you would not be where you are without Absolutely. What I've done. Now, do you do you deal mostly with women or is it a mix? Or It's a mix. Um, generally, um, I end up with the non-financial spouse. So somebody who wasn't controlling the finances ahead of the divorce, because usually they have a financial advisor already. So I'm, sure. you know, I'm not usually in the picture at the start of the divorce, um, but all sorts of different types, you know, people with a lot of money, people that don't have a lot of money. I mean, it really is it's interesting. sort of any, any scenario. I never would have uh, thought of having a uh, financial planner enter the a divorce 
proceeding. That's uh, that's interesting. You said it's a, it's an accidental. It specialty. is. It is. And I, I feel pretty passionately about it. You know, information is power, right? right? So you have all the information and then you can look back on whatever decision you made and say, I knew what I was doing. And that's that's really all we can ask for. But you do, you also work with specific types of investments, right? Yes. So another passion of mine is what we're now calling ESG investing, environmental social governance. It used to be like the buzzword back in the day was corporate social responsibility um, or socially responsible investing. So call it what you will. But basically what it is, is it's matching people's personal mission um, or their personal goals and interests with their investments. So let's say somebody's really passionate about the environment. We can actually make their portfolio reflective of that interest without actually sacrificing returns. So it used to be that if you wanted to do something like that, you had to accept some sort of lower return. But now we're finding that this type of research actually strengthens a portfolio. So as long as you're still fully diversified and you're still exposed to the proper sectors at the right time, you can actually filter investments so that within a group of options, you can find one that is the most socially responsible in the area that you care most about. So that would come down to a Tesla versus General Motors. Sure. Or, you know, some people actually, there's there's another way to look at it too. Um, let's say you are really angry with oil companies, right? And you don't want any oil companies in your portfolio. But let's say for whatever reason, we decide it's the right time to have that in the portfolio. We can actually choose of these companies, which ones are engaging in activities that would diversify against the risk of their negative behavior. So what do I mean by that? Like, they're investing in windmills or something. They're doing some, you know, environmentally responsible activities that diversify against that risk of all the negative work that. But they're, they're not necessarily the environmentally friendly. Correct. Yeah. Thing, so, but they're they're taking the steps to do as best they can in the current situation. That's right. And by doing that, they actually make themselves less of a risky investment based on the bad work that they're doing. Not bad work. Based on the sort of ethically questionable work that they're doing, right? Because when you are engaging in something that is questionable in nature from either an ES or a G perspective, it actually creates risk in that investment. Because, you know, we see this with the pandemic. Companies that weren't situated in a very strong position had a very hard time in the pandemic because their foundation wasn't strong enough. So we look through a governance lens regardless, you know, what's happening at, at the CEO level what's happening at the board level, what sort of policies and procedures do they have in place, you know, what do their fundamentals look like. That's just a bottom line of what we do. But if a client tells us, you know, this is really important to me, we can actually make their portfolio reflect that. Interesting. Now, are the days of the greedy SOB investor, I just want more money, more money, more money gone? They're not because some investors don't care about this and that's fine. We aren't forcing it for anybody. You right. know, if, if a client comes in and they say, I just want the absolute best portfolio, I, I don't really care about the ESG. I've got $100. I want you to make it Right, you know, exactly. A thousand in, yeah. in, you know, in, in a couple of years. Yeah, um, you know, we we can, you know, design a portfolio where we aren't looking through that lens. But generally, we feel as though the governance lens is the right one to look through, regardless, because it shows strength in that individual investment. So, I think to answer your question, I don't think that the days of people just wanting to make money are over. But I think that there is a large group of people that really want their investments to match their personal ethics, and we can do that. 
Do you think that's geographical? Perhaps. I think that it actually coincides very closely with philanthropic intent, which is another passion of mine. So because obviously I'm coming from the nonprofit world, so I love when people Mm -hmm. are giving back and doing that work. But people who are philanthropically minded also want to do great work in other areas of their life. And so I think people are looking through that lens at their whole life to say, what sort of decisions am I making every day that don't match with the type of change that I want to see in the world? So we see very often that philanthropically minded people are much more interested in ESG investing than the average person is. And I would venture to say that more of the population of America, if you will, that the more of the philanthropic people are located probably on the the West Coast and the East Coast and the big cities. So you've got you know, New York, the, you know sure. the Boston yep. DC corridor, probably Chicago, you know, and then out out on the West Coast. So that that somewhat somewhat makes sense. That's fascinating though that people are, are are doing that, saying that you know I want my investments to match my lifestyle as I as I drive down the road in my Tesla. Exactly right. Right. That's, that's that's really neat. And and again, they would invest in maybe a battery company, which may in itself not be the most environmentally friendly company. However, they are providing that battery to General Motors or whoever is making this electric car now that is... That's exactly right. And we get into the weeds with our clients. I mean, we ask them, do you want to avoid these types of investments altogether? Or do you want us to choose a company who's doing some other great things, even if some of the things they're doing don't align with your mission? And we can put those parameters up. That's really, it's very fun. It's fun to do. Financial planning is, I mean, it's a relationship business, uh, first and foremost. I mean, okay, your knowledge is almost secondary to, you know, the relationship. You have to get along with you know, your doctor, you have to get along with right. your accountant. You got to, you know, and all these professionals in your life. I had a, uh, I knew a photographer that she would never shoot a wedding unless they agreed to shoot the um, uh, engagement shots. And I asked her, I said, Natalie, why? And she says, because I am going to be so intimately involved from, you know, naked in the bedroom in the morning, you know, getting ready for this wedding all the way till the you know the honeymoon door closes yep. in, in the hotel. And I am going to be there in their face. I am going to be their shadow for so many days that we need to get along. And do you find that's the same thing in financial planning? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when people come in to meet with us and our team, we first and foremost want to make sure they're a good fit, right? Do they desire a team like ours? You know, we really are a certain personality. We want to get to know all of our clients. We want to be there. You know, they call us sometimes. I need a plumber. Who do you suggest? You know, (laughs) they become sort of part of our family. And some people aren't looking for that. You know, they're looking for something else. So um, if we determine in that initial consultation that they aren't the right fit for us, or maybe they might think we're not the right fit for them, we'll give them a list of other advisors to meet with. So you will you will fire somebody or just not refuse to? I we, mean, yeah, I mean that, we won't. We don't refuse, but we sell, tell them we might not be the right fit for you. You know, and and you are welcome to move forward with us, but we want you to know that if you decide that we're not the right fit for you, that's okay too. Yeah, that's that's a difficult conversation to have. I mean, right. I've, I you know I've talked to a number of business businesses, and they're like, well. 
maybe you're not the right person to run a business. Right. I mean, you've, you've, you've got a great idea, but the execution is, is off. And that's, that's what we're firing. Do you need help? Do you need a partner? And, and so on and so forth. So I, I understand that's a t- tough decision. Well, if anybody needs a plumber, okay, you need to call Margot Cook. Okay. We, you, <laughs> that's exactly we, right. We, I know we, all the plumbers <laughs> in the area. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we, got, we got to that here. Um, but you want to check them out at 1nwealth.com. That's the number one the letter N, wealth.com. And what's the best way to get a hold of you? So the best way to get a hold of me is to call the office at 410-975-0099 or email me. Um, you can email me at any time, mcook, so that's M-C-O-O-K, at the number one, N, wealth.com. Fantastic. Do you like to cook, just to put a pun on your last name? So, very funny, because I am a horrible, horrible cook. (laughs) My husband is the best chef you've ever met. Um, Actually, he's such a good cook that on the weekends, we have random people at our house at all times just looking to see what he's cooking. But um, I, I do not do a very good job with that at all. So you're you're the, you're the ying to his yang, or I am. Yes, I'm very grateful, loving wife um, who does the dishes afterwards. Who controls the checkbook at home? <laughs> oh, good question. Actually, so we have two separate shared accounts, and I control the bills account, and he controls the variable expense fund account. So you know, I had a good friend of mine that knew that he didn't want to have any kids from day one, and he dated this girl starting in ninth grade who said, oh, yeah, no, I never want to have kids. Now, this is going way back. I mean, today's kids are like, yeah, no, kids, no. Um, But this is going back, way back when. And they dated all through high school. They dated all through college. And she ended up becoming an administrator at a hospital when when they were married. There's still no kids. He was a... um, project manager for an electrical contracting company. And what they did is they divided up their salary that her salary was the savings and the bills and the mortgage and the cars and and the gas and the groceries and everything else. And I say her savings, her check went to that. And 100% of his check went into the fun pot. And that was like, and, and they would take travel all over the place. I mean, and right after they got married, right after high school and Right after their honeymoon, he was. They were so convinced that he came back. He went and got a vasectomy. Wow! I mean, I mean, they knew that right then, and they honestly, they're the happiest couple that I've ever met. But it, it was hysterical because the company that I used to work for up in Pennsylvania was an, elect, it was an electrical contracting company, and they did a lot of schoolwork. So summertime was a crunch time to get the schools open for the fall. Yep. And they had a policy that in that division you don't take vacations during the summer. They just won't approve them. And Dave would always be like, yeah, okay, going to the owner. Hey, Ray, I'm going to go to Africa for a safari for three weeks in July. (laughs) And Ray's like, you know, you can't do it. He says, well, and and he would go. And people are like, how do you get away with that? He said, what would you do if he fired you? I said, well, then I'd go to Africa for two weeks in July, (laughs) July, come back and figure out what the next step is. He said, but I'm good enough. And I mean, I'll just, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll work out. But it was, it was, again, it was a couple that had, you know, the one pot for the fun. And I think it's important, you know, everybody's different. So some people, some married couples come in and they have totally separate accounts. Some come in and they have totally joint accounts. You know, one person's controlling it. The other person's not. From my perspective, the open communication is so important because, 
even though I'm controlling, you know, the bills account, right? Mm. He knows exactly what's happening. We roll through my spreadsheet, which he doesn't so like. So he's not rolling into the firm asking, no, yeah, looking for yeah. representation. No, on no, no, or poor guy. If that happened, I don't know who he would call because all these attorneys are conflicted out around here. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Again, Margot Cook, partner with One North Wealth Services right here at 1997 Annapolis Exchange Parkway across from the Annapolis Mall. Thank you very much for your time this morning. This is this is really informative. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.